Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome, everybody, to the Friday edition of the NBA Exchange. I am your host, Dexter Henry. Starting with you just a little bit late. We had some technical difficulties before we started off on this Friday, but we got a really good show for you today. Super excited about it. We're going to talk about the city of Justin Jerseys. We talked about it on the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast this week, mentioned it a little bit on the last show, but we're going to really dig deep into these jerseys and talk about who made some really good ones, who made some whack ones, because there's some whack ones out there for sure. Definitely, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the NBA Top 75 list. There was a lot of talk about that the first week of the season. We're going to get into that with Jenna Lemoncelli from the New York Post. She's going to be joining me in a few minutes. And then later, we are going to also have John Smelk of the Bank Shot Knicks podcast. But first, we got my homegirl, Jenna Lemoncelli. You see her on the Seven Footers podcast with our guy, Gerard Hector, also New York Sports, Sports and Entertainment writer. Jenna, what's up? How you doing? I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Congratulations on your new show. I love it. And Thank it you. looks so good. Everything looks so great. Thank you. You know what? We we we, we gotta we gotta come correct. We gotta we gotta look good, you know? And, and speaking of looking good, Jenna, there's some new NBA City Edition jerseys out there. Some of them are looking really good, some aren't looking really good. Are you like me? Are you are you excited for these jerseys each year now that we get to see them when they come out? What's the level of excitement for you around these jerseys? I'm really excited for these because it's a fun way for the NBA and Nike to hone in on their partnership that they started in 2017. And that's exciting because the NBA, especially the NBA and its players, love fashion um, and they love to show out. And some teams really impressed with these jerseys and some teams really didn't make the mark here. So I have my favorites and I have my bus per se. So I'm excited to get into it, but I am excited overall about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. It's great that it's the 75th anniversary too. So it's a great time to drop them and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. And so would it be the 75th anniversary, Jenna? A lot of times, you know, teams with the city editions, they're trying to incorporate some kind of feeling or artistic design within from their city. But with this one, with the 75th anniversary, the teams are supposed to, you know, give a little bit of a look back to the past, which we saw. Okay, what do you want to start with first? You want to start with the ones we liked or the ones that we didn't like? Should we get the bad ones out the way? Should we do that? All right, <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's get the bad ones out the way. All right, what, what, give me one. What was one of the ones that you had for your worst city edition jerseys? I think this was, I, I think this is more of like a blanket opinion. And I also saw our guy, um, Brian, tweet about this, that they didn't even try, which that had me cracking up. OKC. Yes, yes they the did not try. 
the all white jerseys again like the description for this partnership and the jersey drop was that you know teams were going back and like taking memories and doing you know paying homage to the team's history per se of you know just amazing athletes for years and personally OKC I don't understand what they were paying homage to here <laughs> I don't understand and that glaring love patch from their sponsor is just it takes away everything because it's the only piece of color on the jersey right and you know you know what I was gonna you know what Jenna I was trying to give them a little bit of a pass because I I just you know I was like they don't have much history coming from Seattle to OKC so I'll give them but I just think these are awful. Like the all white, I'm with you. It doesn't work. I don't like it at all. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not with these at all. This was one of mine. So Jen and I picked three each. This was one of my worst ones that I thought. So I'm with you on the Thunder. We have some overlap there. I thought it was horrible, it was awful. I'm with my man Brian Fonseca. I don't even think they tried. It doesn't look like they tried at all. Next. So you also we, we got yours up here on the screen. You also had the nuggets. Right, the Nuggets went with this royal blue. They got some of the colors from the ABA days on the side. Why did you not like the Nuggets City Edition jersey? I didn't like the Nuggets City Edition. I didn't like where the was on the sides of it, and then just the front, the font just didn't get me. I, I wasn't about it. Um, and this is more of like a design stylistic standpoint. So I'm sure a lot of people right. don't agree with me, which is fine. But I didn't really. I wasn't for the design it, it just i don't know and the font i didn't i wasn't for it again the colorways just didn't get me on the side and like the way they were placed that's just me though again not trying to knock them but like it's just it wasn't for me yeah i don't think this one was quite as bad as you know okc you know where we felt like they didn't try i know what they were going for they're going for this the 80s look the alex english era jerseys they were the colorway on the side. This is one I don't. I don't know if you feel me on this, and this kind of reminds me of Phillies jerseys, Jenna. But do you think this would have been better if it was a white jersey? I just think with the navy, which is my favorite color, I just did, didn't think it worked here. I agree. They should have called OKC a little bit and been like, "Hey, can we can we borrow this colorway?" Because I agree <laughs> with you. The, the navy is just too much for me. And you're right about the Sixers. The font is really similar to the Sixers, um, which again. Let's let's be a little different here. But yeah, the white, I think you're on to something though. You should hit them up and be like, listen, can we read it? I don't know. If, I don't know if they're listening to me, Jenna. I have no I have no idea that they're they're gonna listen to me. All right, let me let me give you one I didn't like either. I thought it was pretty yeah. awful. The Cavs. The Cavaliers. So the, the, here's where I'll give the Cavs some credit, okay? They go back to their red and wine colors, which I think has always been a pretty popular look for them. But then what the hell is going on in the middle? Like the circle lettering around there, it's small. It's kind of all up in the chest with the two. Nah, I, I like the color. I just don't like the logo presentation execution here. I, I, I mean, okay. if you're a Cavs fan and you're buying this, I mean, there's a lot of things to be embarrassed for in Cleveland, but you don't have to wear this. Yeah. You don't have to. I agree, though. That center logo, I can't even see. What even is it? <laughs> Our producer Greg says it looks like a high school mascot, something a high school mascot will wear. Yeah, you don't even know what it is. You have no idea. It's like I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here for it. this. Was one of my worst. I, I just was like, no, this. It looks like you know what it. It kind of looks like the Hoosiers jerseys, you know, which would have made more sense for like the Pacers. But 
yeah, this this was just uh this was a no go for me. I, I take it you're not uh going out to grab the Cleveland Cavaliers City Edition jersey anytime soon, Jenna. Definitely not. I'm a LeBron James hopping fan. Um, I, I left <laughs> the Cavs back back in the past there. All right, so you left them there. Well, they should have left this jersey in the past. That's for sure. They should have done that as well too. Okay, and then you also had our last two that we didn't like. We both had Florida teams. I had Orlando, and you had the Heat. Let's start with the Heat. The Heat were they did a lot with their jersey. I mean, there was a lot going on there, Jenna. Like a lot, maybe doing too much. What did you think about this jersey? I love Miami, and it pained me to put them on my my worst jersey list. But I wasn't for the little like taking the different fonts or different. It looks like they took a magazine and like took different letters and placed them together. And don't get me wrong, it kind of looks dope, but see the M right there, the blue M? I was kind of hoping they went flashy and like, it's South Beach. Give us like a hot pink or like something cool. Like, I see what they were trying to do, but like, it's Miami. This is your time to show out. Be flashy. Live up to your name. Jimmy Butler is your face. Like, let's go. Give me some colors. Give me something exciting. Like I was hoping for like a neon. And again, I know they've done that before, but like when you think of Miami, it's like splashy, splashy, everything. I wonder for them, how much of it is you talked about that, Jenna, they did those vice jerseys before that were great. The series of them, like, I love those jerseys. They were fire, but they tried what I what I read this explanation was they tried to take a piece of all their different sort of jerseys before. And that's what they did with the lettering across the top, except it looks like a suicide note, which is I don't think is really good or or a ransom note. I should say not really a suicide note, but like a ransom note. note. Yeah, ransom note. Sorry. That's the word I was thinking of. Not suicide note. Apologies to that. But your ransom note, it looks like that. And it's just I don't know. It just looks like it's all thrown together. I'm not a fan. And Miami usually gets this right. Like, they usually get this right. So that's why it's a little bit, I think, disappointing for them. Yeah, I also Ooh. had the yeah, I also had the magic, Jenna. Let's keep it in Florida. I had the magic as well. And so they tried to stick with their pinstripe look, but they brought in some orange and gray. It I, These aren't even your colors, Orlando. What are we doing here? I, I don't know. Maybe do you like this one? I'm just like, no. I love the logo. Oh, reminds me of like Shaq, old school. Like, don't get me wrong, really into the logo. Like that they have that, but the pinstripes match Houston's pinstripes, which I don't like anyway. Um, and you're right, the colorway. What's with the colorway? What are we doing here? Are we are we the Phoenix Suns or <laughs> what's happening here? Like, I, this is a no for me as well. Your your um, worst picks are definitely like. An extension of mine as well. Yeah, I feel, I feel, and I know we had some overlap with the Thunder just being god awful. But yeah, these were just these were just like I, I, I don't know. So, some teams, it seems like some teams don't take this seriously, and some teams really do. Like they really, their design departments, their marketing departments are really into this and how this is supposed to look. So you know, we never know. Now we talked about the worst. We got that out the way. We don't have to talk about these horrible jerseys anymore. That is some good ones. And you and I, again, we had we had some overlap. I know we talked about this. We had two teams that we both agreed on here. I know one of them is the Nets. I love the Nets jerseys. Brooklyn killed this, okay? I love it, and we saw it on the court last night. It looks great. What I know you love it, too. What do you love about these Nets jerseys? 
And you know me, I'm a Knicks girl, um, yep. but I have to give the Nets all the credit in the world. They are my number one favorite jersey out of all these city editions because Same. it's the old school New Jersey Nets. I mean, if you got if anybody watching does not know the old school New Jersey Nets, that was it, it, the era of Jason Kidd. Everything that entire time in Jersey was amazing. That was my first NBA game. Um, fun fact. And it just made me feel nostalgic. It made me feel so happy to see this. I'm so glad they did this and paid homage to that time. And Jason Kidd is the first NBA player I've ever met. I met him at my first game, which was the coolest experience. Huh. I love the colorway. I love the fonts. Again, this was personal for me, um, but I'm so into it. And the Nets are also playing very well in these jerseys and have been rising up in the East. So you can't complain about that either. So I love this because the city edition last year, the Nets going to those uh, turquoise jerseys that were from that early 90s era, Drazen Petrovic, they did that. I love what they did here. They kept the logo of that with Nets across the chest. So they took that from there. But the other thing I love is that they took the colors from when they played in Long Island in the ABA, the navy blue with the red, white, and blue, the stars on the side, like and then on the shorts that people haven't seen, they have like a little, it says Brooklyn Nets and it's got the borough of Brooklyn in there. I thought the Nets, just the colors look super clean. I'm a sucker for Navy. When done right, Denver. When done right. I'm a sucker for <laughs> Navy. I love that. But with the white, it looks clean. It works well. They combined all the parts of their errors together perfectly. Yeah, I agree. You said this is the best. You like this the best, right, Jenna? Because I like this. This to me is the best of all the City Edition jerseys. Yeah, this is this this is my favorite. All right, what who what else did you like? There's another team I know we had overlap on, but who else did you like? I like the Pistons. Um, you know, we don't hear a lot about the Pistons, uh, but we don't. I enjoyed their jerseys, the font on the front. It's just it was Detroit to me all the way, and I was just a huge fan. I I'm I love the shorts, like the little what do you want to call it, like a bolt, like a lightning bolt, I guess. Yeah, it looks um, like a lightning bolt there. Yeah. I love it. It's cool to me. It's not too much, and it's not not enough. And I was about it. Big fan of those shorts, though, for real. Yeah, this was one I was, this one I was shocked at. Detroit kept it simple, I think, to me, and going with the red. I didn't love it, but I don't hate it. It was just one of those ones that was in between for me. But like, I think it's a good choice. They didn't mess anything up. They didn't go away from their history or their colors here. That it, you know, was really nice. He liked the lightning bolt. I would have liked to see them play off of something from the mid-90s with the uh, old-school Grant Hill horsehead piston jerseys. I would have liked that. But I think Detroit did a solid job here. I thought I thought they were okay. Here's one where – so we both – you had Detroit, and I had one that we didn't have the same. I love the Hornets jerseys. Love, love the Hornets jerseys. Um, I loved how they used the honeycomb in it. I loved the teals transitioning. The script lettering is a throwback to when they came into the league in 1988. Um, I, I love this. I talked about this with Rod Boone, who I had as a guest on the other day. I think they killed this. They knocked this out the park. I talked with a friend last night who he hates it. I think his disdain for it is they also tried to put in the pinstripes as well, too. We've seen a lot of teams do that. The Rockets, which I know my producer Greg loves. is pinstripes are tough, Jenna, right? Like people either really love them or they're not for them at all whatsoever. Like some people really like them. 
or some or some not. We see we got Wesley checking in on YouTube. He said Nets brought it back to the New Jersey days, agreeing with us. He loves those Nets jerseys as well too. So yeah, the Nets jerseys seem to be really popular. People really like them. The Horn- did you like the Hornets one at all? What, was there anything that bothered you about the Hornets? Did you not like the pinstripes? What do you think of this Hornets I jersey? I did like the Hornets. I like your choice. Um, but the only thing that got me was the pinstripes. I mm. love, love, love the honeycomb, and I think that was yeah. absolutely. The icing on the cake for them, the only thing I would do without is the pinstripes. I do think that they are one of the most, how do I put it, more, the one of the most modern designs. This is something, the ombre, the honeycomb, mm. the, the colors, the flashy colors, the font. This is totally modern day for me. This is design heavy. Um, and I was super into it. I love the the logo too on right down on the shorts too. But the honeycomb yeah. really got got me with this. I, I think they're super unique and super good. I actually do agree with your critique there. I do think if there's one thing I would take away from those jerseys, it would be the pinstripe. I think it was a little bit yeah. much. They didn't need that. And yeah, pinstripes, it's like either it really hits or it doesn't. Um, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's kind of the thing. Now, the last one where you and I both agree upon, I want to hear what you have to say about this. I love these Raptors jerseys, right? Love these Raptors jerseys. What do you love about these Raptors jerseys? Because I, I really like them. Yeah, the juices must have been flowing in that design meeting up in the six because, and Drake must have been <laughs> present because these jerseys are dope. They they have style written all over them. They have Drake written all over them. I love the all black and gold. They're bringing back the old school Tracy McGrady logo um, on the front with the Raptor and the font. I really love. It's edgy. It's cool. It's so Toronto. I love the colors. Of course, they're modeling after the their OVO colorway um, mm-hmm. that they rock on the court. And that's, of course, you know, a nod to Drake. But these, this completely, this won me over. And I love a good, like, black, complete uniform. And this just, this gets me. The gold is so great. I, I have no complaints. The logo on the front, though, the mascot. <laughs> I'm with you on that, right? Because I love everything you said. Hits. I love the OVO color, OVO colorways. I love that. Um, I really love the throwback to the OG Raptors jersey and having the dinosaur on the front drilling the basketball. I still think one of the there was a lot of cartoony logos in the '90s, but this is one of the best of them that I like. And so I think they also too just had a great job of taking their past along with the modern look of what they're going for and just blending it together, capturing the city of Toronto. You know, I, I think people up in the six, you're going to see a lot of people up in the six and around definitely rocking this jersey. I like this. So Jenna had the Nets, Pistons, and Raptors. I had the Nets, Hornets, and Raptors as the jerseys that we liked. So check them out. The, the, all the jerseys, I mean, it's nice. I always like when they drop these. It's always interesting. I still sometimes think we have too many jerseys, but it's nice. Some people going to look fresh on the court. Some people, you're going to want to turn away. Okay, see, I don't need to see y'all in those. Cleveland, I'll need to see you in those <laughs> whatsoever. They're not, they're not particularly teams that we're going to be watching much of. As as Gerard <laughs> would say, they're not a league pass team. Not so. a league pass team. Fair enough. That's fair. That's fair enough. All right. You and Gerard, always on the Seven Footers podcast, you guys are always talking about a lot of news and notes, everything going around the NBA. One of the things I heard you guys talk about uh, early in your first couple of episodes was that top 75 list as you return for this season. There was a lot of talk about that, Jenna. Some people not happy they were on the list. Some people ecstatic to be on the list. 
what did you think of the list? And was there anybody that didn't make the top 75 list? And you were like, damn, that's a really bad omission. Well, I mean, anytime you come out with a list, it's going to be controversial, no matter what. I mean, you can't please everyone. So that's that to begin with. But the list, I like how they kept the original 50 because, I mean, you can't just take people off and then, you know, put them back. It just doesn't make sense. So I like how they keep adding to it. However, there's was what, only 25 names added to the list, which it's hard to pick. It's really hard to pick out of a lot of people. However, I will say the biggest glare out of that was the was Dwight Howard missing. Yes. I know he could yes. be, um, you know, talked about in certain lights and certain ways, but look at the man's resume. I mean, he's a bona fide Hall of Famer, is going to be a Hall of Famer. And he, it, that just did not make sense to me whatsoever. Um, and of course you had Clay Thompson who was left off the list. One of the greatest shooters we've ever seen um, pick up a basketball. And he had a problem with that. He aired that out on Instagram, but those were the two big names that um, I did not agree with being on there. Um, also uh, Tracy McGrady, not on the list. I mentioned mm. him before he wasn't on the list. Um, Dikembe Mutombo, just certain names that I didn't really understand. But again, you can't please everyone. I was happy with who made the list. I think I saw somebody tweet, if you're unhappy with the list, you have to say who you would remove before you say who you would put on. And that's a challenge. That's hard. Um, hard. It is hard. So again, I have to say though, Dwight Howard, biggest snub for me. I don't agree with it. Don't understand it. Somebody pull out the man's resume. I don't know what you're judging, but that was, that was completely missed the mark for me. Yeah. I think for me, it was, I definitely agree with you. Dwight Howard was my biggest snub. There's no way that he should not be on this list. Like you said, look at his resume, body of work, three-time defensive player of the year, led a magic team to the finals where he was clearly the best player. Um, yeah, and you're right. Forget what you think about him off the court, how people, some people think he could be a goofball, all that other stuff. Yeah. The man's resume speaks for itself. He's one of the best centers to ever play the game. He should be on the list. I would have personally liked, though, Jenna, one of my things was I know they kept the 50 on. I would have liked to have seen them just start from scratch. Um, I don't think everybody that got on the 50 still deserves to be there. Things change. Things evolve. Yeah. So you got to take some people off. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, we'll see. But I, I like Team X, a guy too. I think well deserving, like you said. Um, so you know, we'll we'll see. Well, when we do this again in twenty five years, and uh, you know, when that'll be twenty forty six, um, you know, we'll 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 see we'll, we'll see what we think about that. Jenna's like, oh, dad, I didn't want to think about that already. Didn't want to think about that. Oh, so many more grades. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask you this before I let you go, Jenna. What's what's going on with Scottie Pippen, man? I know you're already tied. You're always tied into the world of sports and entertainment. And Scottie Pippen is out here keeping things real messy with Michael Jordan. You know, it seems like he's every time he's promoting something, he was promoting was a rum or a whiskey early in the year, and now he's promoting his memoirs and he's taking shots at Jordan. What's going on with your boy? Oh man, Scotty is my boy, but man, he's talking spicy up in here. I mean, listen, let's be real. You and I are both in the industry. We get how this game works. He's got to sell a book. He's got a book coming out. You know, you got to make that money. You got to make that money. I get it. But you're coming out here with serious, serious accusations and spicy terminology about Michael Jordan. Let's just take a pause. Michael Jordan. Right. I get it. You were upset about the last dance and how it, it shaped the way. 
body and number two and this and that. But homie, you sat on the bench and didn't play because you were mad. One, you remember that very important game that you that you did that. But that's fine, whatever. But really, and again, the last dance it was produced by Michael Jordan. It was to tell Michael Jordan's story. He wasn't going to give you a spotlight, and that it's Michael Jordan. Come on, let's be serious. But the things that he's saying, homie's got to take a step back. Let's not take away from his role on the Chicago Bulls and what he did in the NBA. But man, you're coming out how many years now and saying this just because, again, what, are you selling a book? Are you really mad? Like, where is this going to get you? What is this going to get you to go up against Michael Jordan? I don't get it. I, I think he's drinking that whiskey that he's selling or whatever, <laughs> but I don't, I don't understand why you got to do that. Why you got to do that? Don't you want to be celebrated? Why do you have to create a feud is what I don't get. Let I, the book speak for itself. Let the book drop. I agree. But, but like you said, you know, it's all it's all about that money. It's all about that promotion. Look, you want that sports entertainment mix-up? Follow my girl Jenna. Jenna Lemoncelli. She does all that great work for the New York Post. Also, Seven Footer Footers podcast every week with our guy Gerard Hector. Jenna, thank you so much for joining me on the NBA Exchange. Appreciate you, sis. So much I appreciate you keep killing it. I love it. I watch it all the time. I love you, Dexter. You're the best. Thank you. I appreciate you, sister. Appreciate you so much. All right. That's Jenna Levincelli. Definitely check her out. When we come back, we're going to have John Schmelk of the Bank Shop podcast talking about the New York Knicks start to their season and their game against the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks tonight. Should be an interesting one. My man John Schmelk will join us when we come back on NBA Exchange. all adjusting to this new climate together we're doing things a little bit differently because the world is different since the last time we did a podcast and we are still bringing you the podcast you love while living that quarantine life use deodorant every day or no yes during the quarantine hell yeah still discussions of sports music and pop culture in a pod where it ain't hard to tell who keeps it real don't say that you don't see race Whenever you say you don't see race, it just shows me how privileged you are in a situation that you don't ever have to think about race. No, look at the words I'm using. Perhaps, possibly, maybe. Is it the smartest thing? Probably not. Is it too soon? I would say so. I went through so many things being short and just people would always underestimate me and always tell me, like, you're not going to make it. You're not good enough. I know. Dex, come on, son. We just talked about this. Whether you listen or watch, stay home, be safe, and subscribe to the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast on YouTube or your favorite audio streaming platforms today. Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and 
each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. Thanks to our first guest, Jenna Lemoncelli, for joining us. We now have another guest, a guy I used to do some work with back in the day with the New York Giants. He also is the host of the Bank Shop podcast with WFAN. It's my man, John Schmelk. We're going to talk a little Knicks basketball. John, what's up, man? Long time no see. First of all, how you doing, man? I haven't seen you in a while. How you doing? Dex, everything's good. I got a crazy four-year-old at home. Um, but yeah, everything's great, man. It's been a real long time. What, almost 10 years since you were doing stuff over here with us with yep. uh, the G-Men? Does that sound about right? Yep, that's about about that. And we both, fathers, as you mentioned, you're a four-year-old. I have a five-year-old uh, running about, so I know about all the craziness uh, <laughs> as well. I'm glad you're well. You look well. Um, the Giants, you know, could be a little bit better, but I know you. I know you are doing well. But we're not here to talk NFL. We're here to talk about the Knicks. You and I have always had great conversations about the Knicks. We're always talking about this. Um, I guess we'll start here. I don't don't know how you feel, and I think you probably were shocked. Last season, I don't think the most optimistic Knicks fans saw coming at all whatsoever. Yeah. We did not see that coming. Of course not. No, no, no. Couldn't see it coming. This year, headed into the season, what were the expectations, and what have you made of this team the way they've started this season? Yeah, it's a good question. Look, I think coming into this season, I expected this Knicks team to be better, but I wasn't positive the fact that they were better was going to be reflected in the team's record because the Eastern Conference overall, I think, got a lot better. Whether you're talking about Chicago, I thought Charlotte would be better. I thought the Bulls would obviously be better. Miami, Boston, I think, would would improve from last year. So I thought the team would be better. There's obviously more talent. I think they're a much better offensive team. But I wasn't sure it would be reflected in, in the record just because I thought the competition would be a lot better. Where the Knicks might be a better team, but you know, instead of being the four seed last year, maybe they're the seven seed, something like that, right? In terms of how they've played, I actually am more optimistic now than I was before because I think the way Tom Thibodeau has adjusted the way this team's playing offense – keeping it more wide open, taking a lot more threes has really made the ceiling a little bit higher where I think this team, if everything goes right, could maybe even approach 50 wins. If everything again goes right, guys stay healthy, all that stuff. I think they have a shot at that now because their offensive style is better. But I do think, especially in the last couple of games, there are some warning signs on the defensive side of the ball where this team does not look the same defensively that they did last year, which is, of course, a Tom Thibodeau staple. You lose Reggie Bullock. You bring in Fournier and Kemba Walker. You probably have a little bit of a defensive downgrade there, though I really don't think Alfred Payton was a very good defender at all. So I think that's where we're at right now. Can the Knicks get back to their defensive roots while maintaining uh, more of a wide-open system on offense, which I think is the real challenge? Yeah, I've been encouraged about the offense and also surprised about you know, even before this season, how Tom Thibodeau was talking about the emphasis on threes. And then we see, we've seen that thus far. They've taken a lot more threes. The last two games, though, John, losses to the Raptors, losses to the Pacers. Is there any cause for concern? But especially when you look at the Pacers shot, Pacers uh, game, they didn't make shots there. But are you more concerned about the defense or the fact that they really haven't made the three-pointers that we saw in the first six games of the season? Hey, look, I... 
three three point shots are going to fluctuate from game to game. I don't think they're taking bad shots. I think generally speaking, they are taking open shots. They're taking the right type of shots from three. So I don't have a huge issue with that. I do worry about the defense though, because I do think there's a level of commitment to it. And I do think in some ways the three point shots are hurting the defense because as you know, Dexter, long jumpers, long rebounds, that turns into easier transition baskets sometimes for opponents. I do think that's part of the deal here. Remember last year, they just attacked the rim more than any other team in the league. And usually then there's a scum for a rebound. It slows the other team down in terms of their pace. That's not as much the case this year because the Knicks are taking more three. So I do think that's part of it here. Um, look against Indiana, they made a boy. I think they made 12 threes. Knicks made only a handful. So you're getting outscored by almost 20 points from behind the three point line in a game like that. It's going to be hard to win when miles Turner's hitting seven at 10 from three. It's one of those things that happens. Sometimes I wouldn't put a huge, big, you know, spotlight, big trouble in front of that game. But look, the Raptor game was troubling. The loss to Orlando earlier in the year was even worse than that because Orlando's just not a very good team. So the defense just has to really get back to where it was last year. And if it can, I think this team will be able to stay out of that play in tournament. Another concern, I would say slightly of mine that we've seen throughout this year so far, late game execution. We saw this against the Celtics in the opener. We saw this against the Bulls uh, up 12, 10 points, whatever it was with three minutes to go. And the lead is blown. Is that another concern for you, John, with this team? seems to be a little bit ISO heavy in those late game situations, dumping the ball to Randall and everybody just clearing out. Would you like to see more of that ball movement that you've seen work for this team in their wins? Yeah, I'd like to see Randall part of a two-man game, right? Let him screen for a Derrick Rose or a Kemba Walker, even an R.J. Barrett or Fournier, and let him work off the ball a little bit. I do think it's been a challenge for Randall this year. It's almost harder for him because he's being asked to do less. Last year, he was asked to do everything because he was, frankly, he was the only good player on the team uh, that could score consistently in the half court. So it was easy. You know, Julius, go do your thing. But now this year, with so many other guys on offense that can contribute, I think he's still figuring out, all right, when do I shoot? When do I pass? Where can I get shots in the floor of the offense? When do I have to ISO? So I think that's something he's trying to figure out here. I think he's doing a decent job of it. I still think he has a couple times a game where he says, all right, I'm getting the ball here. I'm shooting it no matter what. He shouldn't have to do that. And he should be able to play off the ball more because now he has guys that can get him the ball for easier shots. Like he doesn't have to take these, you know, 15, 17 foot fadeaways because he can get better looks if he sets a screen, rolls to the basket, does a strong pick and pop, things like that. So I agree. And I, I think those late game scenarios are, you know, part of the of the bigger feeling out process here of exactly how this offense is going to work and how Randall fits into it. Remember, Dexter, we've seen some games where we've taken 20 shots. We've had a couple games where we've taken less than 10. So I do think this is still a a feeling out process for Randall. I want to go back to the three-point attempts for a second with the Knicks, uh, John. Do you think this is good for the the team? You sound like you you feel like they do because I think it's good. They look a little bit more modern offensively, you should say. Are Are you concerned, though, that it can swing one way where they're taking too many threes? Or do you think the team has the ability to recognize when maybe the three-point shot's not going? We saw a bit of this in Indiana, Indianapolis, where they didn't take as many threes when it wasn't falling in the first half. In the second half, they scaled back on that. So what do you think about the three-point in terms of their offense? Good or bad for the Knicks going forward? 
No, good. Look, I, I think you need that in your arsenal, and I think it's good that it's there when you need it. And to your point, I think they only took 24 threes 24, against the Pacers. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was a season low for them because to your point, they weren't making them. They only made five of them. And I think the important thing is that you want to have that in your bag so you can maximize your offensive output and your efficiency and all that stuff with the analytics. I think you have to do that in the modern NBA. But I think what you like, Dexter, is that they have guys where if the three-point's not sh- shot's not falling, they can get shots in the mid-range. Kemba Walker is one of the best pull-up mid-range shooters in the league. Derrick Rose is a good penetrator. Julius Randle can penetrate or post up. R.J. Barrett is a strong player that can get to the hoop with his left hand. So they have guys that can create shots in that mid-range where it's, look, it's not an efficient shot. It's not a shot you want to target. But especially at the ends of games, sometimes those are the shots you have to take because those are the only shots that the defense allows you to take. And I do think the Knicks have guys that can make those shots when, to your point, that three-point shot's not falling. Yeah, I think I think they do. And I'm glad you brought up the mid-range and their ability of some guys to hit that well or get to the basket. So those are options that they have offensively. Going back to the defense also, again, you talked about how the signings of Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, most people, I think, expected the Knicks to take a bit of a step back on defense. Do you still think they can be a league average defense just because of the scheme and the way Tom Thibodeau coaches that you're still going to get a lot of effort out of Kemba, out of Evan Fournier? Uh, for the Knicks so they can still be at least a league average defense. I mean, they better be a league average defense. If they're not, it, it would be a real problem for them, and they might be in that playing tournament. I think you'd like to get them into the top 12, maybe somewhere between 7 and 12-ish area, 6 and 12-ish area, and I think you'll be okay if you're somewhere in there. Top 10 would be preferable, obviously. Look, they can still get there. R.J. Barrett has shown to be a very good wing defender this year. I think that's the part of his improvement that I've been – uh, the most satisfied with so far this year. I know he's had three really good scoring games in a row, but to me, it's it's the defense and the other things about being a good teammate and really kind of being that ultimate support player that can do a little bit of everything. I think that's the perfect role for Barrett right now as he continues to improve offensively. And look, Kemba Walker tries. The problem is he's 5'11", 190 pounds. I mean, there's just only so much he's going to be able to do. I think he does lead the league in charges taken this year. So I think he's been a pretty good help defender, but he has struggled at the point of attack and that's going to happen. But luckily you have Mitchell Robinson, who's still an excellent rim protector, excellent shot blocker. And look, Fournier, you know, he's not Jamal Crawford bad defensively. You know, he, 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 he isn't in that category for, you know, Nick fans that go back that far, you know, he's okay. He's not good, but he's, 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 he's okay. He's probably below average is the way I would phrase it. So yeah, they, they certainly have the talent, the players and the makeup to still be at worst a league average defense. Okay. And I'm with you on that. I think they're going to need to be that if they're going to, if they're not, they're in trouble. I, yeah, I'm, they're big I'm trouble, with you on that. They're big trouble. If they're not that you brought up RJ, which I wanted to ask you about, and you hit the nail on the head of which I agree with, which is the thing that's been most impressive to me for him has been his effort on the defensive end and how good of a defender he's looked. We saw what he did against Tatum. We see him on DeRozan in the Bulls game. He's taken on that challenge. On the offensive end, what have you liked about his game, too? We saw the improvement in shooting last year, John. Now, when he shoots it, I feel like, okay, RJ can hit this. This this is probably going in. No, I'm with you. Um, I believe in the shot. I think that he, the work he's put in, it looks better than it did when he first came out. It's much less stiff. It's much more fluid. Uh, they've done a good job with that. However, the Knicks player development staff has altered the shot. RJ buying in and doing it. You know, they have that Noah shooting system in the gym now, which measures arc that helps shooters. So, you know, put all that together. I believe in the shot. You're right. 
If he's open, take the shot. I believe he can make it. So the next step in his evolution now is, you know, but he's doing that mostly on catch and shoot, which is perfect. That's how you should start. So the next evolution of his offense again now is creating his own offense. And he's not a A-level half-court athlete in NBA terms. He's not super jittery. He's not super starting, you know, starting to stop. He doesn't have that type of shiftiness to consistently get separation. Now, in the last three games, he's done a good job of getting downhill in into the lane, clearing the defender, getting separation, and making layups. He's got an easier shot. So he's never been a very high-percentage shooter at the rim. We've seen that improve so far this year because I think he's getting higher-quality shots at the rim. That needs to continue. Too many times in the past, he kind of just jumps into defenders, tries to muscle the ball up, and those are just really difficult shots to make. And he's not taking as many of those this year. So I think his shot selection is a lot better. And then I think his pull-up in the mid-range has improved, where if guys are going to drop off of him, he's confident to pull up at 15, at 17 feet, to take that jumper off the dribble. So a lot of Nick fans want him to be this 25-point-per-game superstar. I'm not sure that's ever what he's going to be. That doesn't mean he's not going to be an excellent NBA player, perhaps an all-star level player. If he can do everything extremely well, even if he's not elite in terms of scoring. Yeah, uh, that, that'll be good. I think Nick fans should sign for that. I don't think they yeah. should complain for that at all. Okay, Knicks are 5-3. Five 5-3 and three. Five and three start to the season. Uh, they'll play the Bucs tonight. We'll get into that in a second. What are the keys for this team, in your mind, to make another playoff appearance, to stay out? of the playing tournament, as you talked about. What are going to be the keys for this team in terms of consistency throughout the season? Get the defense back to wars last year. I think that's number one. Uh, number two, keep the offensive flow going the way it is. Be willing to shoot threes, hunt open three-point shots, eschew the mid-range, don't go after those shots. I think they've done a good, good job of all that. And then three, which is something that they can't control, but Dexter, you know how it goes in every sport. You got to stay healthy. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting here in 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 the Giants facility doing this, and the Giants have basically lost eight of their top 13 offensive players at different points during the year. You can't win that way. And I especially specify that for the Knicks because they have guys like Kemba Walker with a chronic knee issue, Derrick Rose with a chronic knee injury uh, as well over the course of his career, Mitchell Robinson, who missed a lot of last year with injuries. So can they keep these guys healthy enough? Now, they have some pretty good depth with some young guys, whether it's, you know, Quickly, Grimes, Deuce McBride, but it's still not Rosen Walker. So you have to stay healthy, and I think those are the three things that you're looking at. And then I think the other game we're going to play all year is when is that next superstar going to demand a trade and say, I want to go to the Knicks? Because if the Knicks want to go from, oh, let's stay out of the playing tournament, let's try to get a five seed, maybe we can get a four seed, that's still a long it, – it's, it's easier to get there it's a lot harder to go from that four or five seed to the one, two seeding to talking championship, right? And the only way this group gets there, in my opinion, is still by making that big trade for a star. So who's it going to be? What do they have to give up? When is it going to happen? That's the kind of sideshow that we'll be dealing with all season. Yeah, that's all. That's always going to be there, John. You know that's, <laughs> that's definitely going to be there. All right, they play the Bucks tonight, defending champs. I would think this should be a pretty good test for the Knicks. We heard Julius Randle talk about how much he liked seeing what the Bucs did, the way they were able to grow organically. You just talked about how the Knicks could possibly grow in different ways. Are you looking at tonight as a really good test with this team to probably try to stop this two-game losing streak? But they're going up against the defending champs who've had some injury uh, issues themselves, Middleton and COVID protocols, that sort of thing. How good of big of a test is this for the Knicks tonight? Yeah, no Middleton, but it looks like Drew Holiday is going to be back, Dexter. So that'll be a good challenge, I think, for the Knicks' backcourt. Curious to see if they put Holiday on Barrett. Or they put Barrett. Do they put Holiday on Fournier? Do they put him on Rose? 
I, or Walker. I think that'll be interesting to, to, to watch that matchup. But yeah, look, the Bucs are a really good defensive team. Can they, can the Knicks maintain their offensive posture? I, I, I'm not sure if they're t- the top offensive team still, but they were, I think, before the Pacer game. I think they're top three at this point in terms of offensive rating. Can they do that against a really good, you know, Bucks defense? And I think the other part of it, too, is that I think the way the Knicks defense is structured, they're still apt to give up too many open three-point shots. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, above all, wants to protect the rim. And I do think, especially with Brooke Lopez, we saw what um, Turner did against Mitchell Robinson when he didn't want to leave the paint. You know, if Lopez is sitting out there, are they going to give him a lot of open threes? Will he make them? I think that's a big deal tonight. So can you limit at least what the Bucks are going to do from three-point land tonight? I think those are really the two things I'll be keeping an eye on. Yeah, definitely keep an eye on that. John, what was your prediction? You said the Knicks possibly as high as 50 wins. What was your prediction for the team before the season? And do you still see them? I had them from 45 to 48. But where do you see them now from what you've seen? Small sample size, eight games. But where do you see them going now? Yeah, before the year, I had them 44 and 38. I thought, okay. again, I thought they'd be a more talented team. They'd be better, but maybe they they wouldn't be quite as many games over 500 like they were last year. Uh, that's a couple games worse. So now I think I'm more optimistic, to be honest with you. I've been happy with what I've seen. I probably put them closer to your range, probably in that 46 range, 47 okay. range, if I was to make that prediction today, just because they've embraced a, a more modern offense, which I really, I just didn't think Tom Thibodeau would do it, but he has, which is great. Yeah, that's shocking. I didn't think so. I didn't think so either. All right, John, please tell everybody about the Bank Shot Knicks podcast because you do that. You do such a great job, and you're somebody like myself, been passionate about the Knicks probably for too much of your life. I don't know how good that's been for you, but now you get to talk about it, and that's great. Tell everybody about the podcast. Dexter, at least I had the 90s, right? And, yes. And, <laughs> and that's what hooked me. I feel bad for the younger Knicks fans that didn't get to enjoy that, and they just had the 2000s, which has been admittedly rough. Um, yes, but the Bank Shot, uh, you can go to my Twitter feed, uh, my pinned tweet, has all all the places you can find it. It's on WFN.com, Odyssey.com. It's on most of your favorite podcast platforms. I'm on Twitter at Schmelk, S-C-H-M-E-E-L-K. Again, it's the pinned tweet. Check it out. Uh, we do one or two podcasts a week. We do some game reactions. We get good guests on talking about the Knicks. A lot of in-depth, nerdy basketball stuff. Make sure you folks go check that out. And if there are some football fans, some Giant fans out there, make sure you go check out the Giants Podcast Network, which you can find on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast. And that's on every podcast platform you can imagine. We got a live show every day, Big Blue Kickoff Live from 1230 to 1.30. Uh, we take calls from fans. Check it out. Then the Giants Huddle Podcast. It's kind of our long-form interview podcast. We do reactions, previews of games, uh, player interviews. Uh, Bob Pop is doing a special series now when he looks back on Giants history. So a lot of good stuff. Make sure you guys go check that out on the Giants Podcast Network. Yeah, everybody, seriously, check that out. Uh, All the folks over there at the Giants, they do fantastic work. John does great stuff, as you said, with the Knicks as well, too. John, I'm going to be listening to the Bank Shop Podcast. Everybody else should listen to that, too. And I tell my man, Michael Beckton, not to get too hyped on the Knicks this year. I know how excited he he can get over there. Tell him not to get too excited. He's only slightly less hyped about them than he is about LeBron, but that's okay. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll have to talk to Mike about that. That's yeah. John Smell, host of the Bank Shot Podcast with the Knicks. John, thanks for joining me on The Exchange. I'll have you back on soon, okay? Hey, thanks for having me on, Dex. Anytime, man. Always here for you. No problem. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Once again, that's John Smell, Bank Shot Podcast on the Knicks. Please tune into that. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Robert Sarver allegations that have come about and give you NBA picks. For tonight, all that coming up when we come back on the NBA Exchange.
Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. The Sports Walk is back. Watch Season 4 of Backpack Broadcasting's original, award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets. Literally, in these streets. The first three seasons and current season with new episodes every Monday are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk. All right, y'all, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. New episode of the Sports Walk will air this Monday. It's going to be a pretty good one. I think you guys will like that one. Uh, we'll preview that on the Monday show for sure. But we have a couple minutes left in the show. Could not talk about some big news that broke around NBA yesterday. This was expected uh, to come down. There was a story that was expected to come down for weeks now about Robert Sarver and allegations of racism and misogyny surrounding the Phoenix Suns. This story was written by Baxter Holmes, who spent, I'm not sure the exact time, but I know it was well over a year working on this, interviewed over 70 former and current Suns employees. And this isn't good. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. Not a good time for this to be out for the NBA. Not a good time for the people that allegedly have worked under these conditions of racism and misogyny spewed by allegedly by Robert Sarver. Um, there's a lot in here and I encourage you to read this story by Baxter Holmes. It's up on ESPN. Uh, it's titled allegations of racism and misogyny within the Phoenix suns inside Robert Sarver's 17 year tenure as owner. Now, look, I can't get into everything that was in this story. And there's a lot of things that are terrible that you have to feel bad for minorities, particularly people who look like me that are black who have been working for the Suns that had to deal with some stuff. There was a lot of talk about Robert Sauver using the N-word in referencing stories about people who are Black and even directly to them using that word as well, too. Uh, also to talk about a toxic culture around women, women not being respected in the workplace. There's just so much in the story. Some of the stuff which I just had to be like, this is borderline ridiculous. And I don't know if anybody listening or watching watches Succession, but I was reading this stuff and I was like, this is a real life Logan Roy. If you watch Succession, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It just seems like such toxicity, allegedly, 
that is there. Now, the NBA has said that they will conduct an investigation to this, and I don't know what's going to happen. Now, we know there's a precedent. Seven years ago, I believe that was, yeah, seven years ago, when Adam Silver just became commissioner, got Donald Sterling up and up out of here after audio and video leaked of some racist remarks that he had. And I was at that press conference where that decision was made. And the NBA obviously did the right thing. This situation, obviously, this has come out in the story. It's a little bit different. NBA is going to do their own investigation. There's no smoking gun per se here. There's no audio or video. But I think it's time for us as a culture to start thinking about, okay, well, who knows? Maybe there's some audio video that comes out or through their investigation, they find that everything that Baxter Holmes reported and people said, like Earl Watson, former head coach on the record, came out and said, is true. You know, then does he lose his team the way Donald Sterling did? Does that happen? You know, it's an interesting punishment when we have billionaire owners in this culture that can say these things about women, say these things about minorities, particularly black people. And the worst thing that happens for them is they get a profit on the team that they bought. Um, I, I don't know what harsher penalty there can be. I don't have all the answers, but I think it's time for us to start thinking about the fact that, okay, this can occur and that might not be that harsh of a penalty because this person still gets to profit in some way off of this. And it's just always interesting. I wasn't thoroughly shocked by this in any way as a black person in this country, particularly around sports. I'm not shocked that these uh, there's possibly these older white billionaire owners talking these ways about black people or black bodies or about women. Not shocked. We just saw this in the NFL a couple of weeks ago with John Gruden. So the one thing I'll put out as caution to the wind is, Please don't think for one second that this is just Robert Sarver, that there aren't other owners that think like this, that act like this, that speak like this. Racism, misogyny is a cultural problem that exists that hasn't gone away many times, particularly because people haven't been willing to put in the work. And that is the people that are in power to put in the work. It's not on the, upon the victims to put in the work. And that's what's disappointing here. So we will have our eye on this. We will see what goes on, but the NBA is going to do their investigation. You did not hear a lot from Monty Williams. You didn't hear a lot from Chris Paul or Devin Booker on this. They said they're going to let the NBA do their investigation and then see what happens. I'm fine with that. I don't think anybody needs to jump out here. We've already seen some people caping for Robert Sarver. I don't know why. We saw what happened when people caped for John Gruden. That didn't go well. The comments from people talking about they don't know a person to be a racist. They don't know Sarver to be a racist. Yeah, that's true. It's possible. He could have presented to you as not being a racist. That doesn't mean the experiences of the black people that were on record in the story or not on record and women in the story aren't true. Your experience with this person doesn't invalidate those other experiences. So that's just another point I would like to make. But obviously not a good look for the league, not a good look, God look for everything that's going around and with the Phoenix Suns organizations because the questions around this probably aren't going away anytime soon, but we will keep our eye on that. Before we get out of here, I'm going to talk some NBA picks. Got some games tonight. I got three that I thought were pretty good for us to uh, check out. I'm going to run through these pretty quickly. The Brooklyn Nets, they will be in the Motor City taking on the Detroit Pistons. They are 10.5-point favorites. Look, the Pistons, they're not a good team right now at all whatsoever. They got Cade Cunningham back. They're not playing him in back-to-backs. They just lost last night to Philadelphia, hosting Philadelphia. Now they have the Nets coming town, so that's tough for the Pistons. Two of the best teams in the East back-to-back. Nets, obviously, a great win the other night against Atlanta. I think they keep things going. They look confident. 
The Nets role players are starting to hit shots. James Harden has looked better in the past two or three games. Very good game against Atlanta. Kevin Durant's been rolling all season. I think they roll this easy. Maybe you don't want to take those 10 points, but there aren't really other good odds for you in this game. Take the Nets minus 10 and a half to cover that spread. I like them there. But bang that, go put the money down on that with the Nets. I just think this one's a no-brainer. I think they easily blow out the Pistons, who it's unsure whether they'll play Cade Cunningham or not. But he hasn't been playing back-to-backs. I don't think he will. Definitely bang the Nets on this one. Second game tonight, Spurs. They are in Orlando to take on the Magic. The Magic, we talked about this last week, one of the worst offensive teams in the league. Spurs, they're okay. They're about 12th right now in offense. Decent. They've got a lot of guys, not a strong score, an alpha score on that team, but a lot of guys that could put the ball in the basket. Now, the Spurs and Magic played in the season opener. The Spurs waxed the Magic. One thing we've seen from the Magic is they've given a lot of effort, particularly lately on the defensive end. They've held two out of their last three opponents to under 100 points. This team, when they want, can play some pretty good defense. Yes, they still have a lot of injuries. No Markel Fultz. Gary Harris still out. There's a lot of concerns there. Another thing with the Magic is we've seen them also get waxed by a team and not forget that this happened with the Knicks on a back-to-back home-and-home uh, home series, I should say. They come back. They had a very strong effort in the second game. I like the Magic to do that again here. Don't think the Magic are really not a good offensive team, but I think they're going to play enough good defense. They were embarrassed by how they lost to San Antonio in the opener. Line is three and a half. Give me the Magic plus the points. Magic plus three and a half. Bang it on this one. You're also getting some pretty decent odds on this if you take the Magic uh, with the with the point spread. Minus 110, right? So basically even money. But if you take, you really like the Magic to win this outright, which I actually might be inclined to do. In fact, I would say do this. Go with the Magic outright. I just think they're going to give you a good effort. That spread's really tight there. But go with the Magic outright plus 135. That means you put down 100 to win $135. If you're looking for better odds, I say go with the Magic outright. I just think the Magic bounce back. It's just a gut feeling. I know they haven't been particularly a good team, but they have played pretty good defense in the last couple of games. They seem to be responding pretty well there. So go to Magic there. Just try. One of the few times you'll hear me say that this year, but trust the Magic. All right? Last game of the night. Kings at home hosting the Charlotte Hornets. Now, the Hornets, after 3-0 start, they've sort of come back down to earth. They slipped a little bit. They just lost to Golden State the other night. But I'm a little bit surprised at this line here. Sacramento minus two. We're really respecting the Kings where half of their wins have come against New Orleans Pelicans. I'm not buying it. The Hornets, they're a much better team right now. Not great odds here with the money line, but I like the Hornets to win this game straight up plus 105 on the money line. All right. So I like them to put down $100. You only win 105. It's not great odds. Maybe you want to throw a little bit more down on the Hornets, but I think this is a bet in a game for tonight that I feel pretty confident. The Hornets need a win. They're looking to bounce back off that loss to Golden State on this West Coast trip. We talked about this with Rod Boone earlier this week. This is important. This was going to be a tough trip for them and important. They've got to get the wins that they can on this trip. They got the Clippers, I believe, coming up and the Lakers also on this trip. They've got to get the wins that they can. One of the wins they can get is damn sure the Kings. The Kings haven't really beaten anybody. They do have a good win against Phoenix. I know that. But as I said, two of their four wins have come against New Orleans Pelicans. New Orleans Pelicans, whoo, they ain't good right now. Give me the Hornets here. Plus, plus the points, plus two. I like the Hornets here to win straight up. I'd put the money line on here. 
I just think the Hornets are going to bounce back. They know this is a game they have to have, and they will get it. So for tonight, give me the Nets, the minus 10 and a half. Give me the Magic to win straight up against the Spurs. Give me the Hornets to win straight up against the Kings. Now it's Friday. We also look at future Fridays, and one of the things we're going to look at this week is sixth man of the year. If you've been thinking about voting on sixth man of the year, there's already been a lot of fluctuation in that in that already. Tyler Hero had, I, I might be messing up this stat, but it was the first seven games of the season. He has the all-time most points off the bench in the first seven games of the season. Tyler Hero's been fantastic. He's right now the odds-on favorite. But there are a couple of guys that I think you can get for, at better odds right now that I would keep my eye on. Jordan Clarkson has been absolutely fantastic. He had 30 points to lead the Jazz last night. He's a scoring machine. He won the award last year. And right now, if you just look in terms of best scorers off the bench and who's been there over the last couple of years, it's definitely been Jordan Clarkson. He won the award last year. He damn sure can win it again this year. You can get him anywhere from plus 1,000 to plus 750. I'm saying, excuse me, plus 1,200 to plus 750, depending on the sports book. So keep your eye on Jordan Clarkson. There's a gap right now between him in terms of the odds. Tyler Hero, as I said, the odds on favorite, most places at plus 200. There's a gap there, but this is a guy that can absolutely win this award and close that gap. Tyler Hero's off to a hot start, but let's not look out for Jordan Clarkson. The other guy I would say to keep your eyes on is a guy that won it the year before Clarkson. That's Montrose Harrell. He's been fantastic for the Wizards, averaging a double-double already off the bench, filling in nicely for Daniel Gafford. Gafford has returned. That should probably cut down some of Montrez's minutes, but he's been really good for the Wizards off the bench. Now, we know he's not a guy you could play on the floor a lot in the postseason, but in the regular season, he's a guy that's going to get a lot of attempts uh, playing Mobile, a lot on rebounds, high-energy guy. Look at his, his odds right now. You can get it anywhere from plus 1,600 to low as plus 1,000. So it really depends. Look at those two guys, Clarkson, Harold got some other guys on the fringes too. Cam Reddish around there. Dennis Schroeder, eh, he hasn't had that great of a season. So I think it's a long shot. Other guys haven't really established them consistently in the six-man row. Also might want to keep an eye on Derrick Rose. He's around plus 3,000 right now. He's been okay. But I think Clarkson and Montrezl Harrell, if you're looking to get some value on some early bets for six-man of the year, those are two guys you should definitely look at for sure. Sleepers, like I said, Derrick Rose, Kind of a dark horse. Watch to see what he can do for the Knicks, especially late in the season. But right now, for me, if you're trying to get a little bit of good value in guys that are on the fringes, you can do that Do that as well. Jordan Poole was a guy who was at the top of this list. He sort of cooled down a little bit in terms of things for the Warriors. Hasn't shot the ball maybe as well as people like. But I think as he gets more familiar in the offense, you can see him uh, being better offensively and coming back up in those odds. So we'll see how that goes. Look, these awards, I know it's a way too early segment. But what you got to do right now is look for value in terms of betting. What kind of value can I get? Who's playing well? Who do I think will be sustainable in terms of playing well? Right now, Tyler Hero's out to a hot stop, but like hot start. But like I said, do not take your eyes off of Jordan Clarkson, who has filled the box score up a lot for the Utah Jazz already early in the season, and Montrezl Harrell, both guys to watch for that sixth man of the year award. All right, that's Friday. That's it. We've come to the end of another NBA week. Yeah, don't worry. Some people have been 
jumping off the ledge, making hot takes that are too crazy about everything that's going to happen. Should be some good games tonight, some good games to watch this weekend. Keep your eye on the Portland Trailblazers. They lost three in a row out east. They're now back home. they got a game uh, this weekend against the Lakers. After a game, uh, they'll be playing as well tonight. So they're a team that is sort of teetering. They started off slow. They started playing better. Now they're not playing well again. Everything that's going on with the Damian Lillard situation, that's something to keep your eye on for sure. Some teams that started off slow have already righted the ship. We also talked about the Knicks. They've lost two in a row. Will they be able to right the ship this weekend as well? A lot to keep your eye on. We'll talk about all that and so much more next week on the NBA Exchange. We'll be back with you. want to thank my guests again, Jenna Levincelli from the New York Post for joining me. Also, John Smelk of the Bank Shot Knicks podcast for joining me to talk a little Knicks basketball here in exchange. We got more guests. Great guests coming for you next week for sure. As always, special shout out to my producer, Gregory Alcala, making everything look good on the show as it always does. Everybody have a safe and healthy weekend. Next week, we'll see you back on the NBA Exchange.